You're listening to the Paper Cuts Podcast, issue 44, our special New Jersey Comic Fest extravaganza, whatever it is we're going to call it. I am your host, Dan Ryan, and with me this morning is Dean DeFalco. You couldn't have butchered that worse. I really couldn't have. It wasn't good at all. I'm okay with it. Evan Goldstein. Hello. And joining us from the Stone Age Gamer Podcast, Chris Randazzo. I'm making meatballs. <laughs> is that a euphemism a... of some sort? <laughs> no, I'm actually making meatballs. Oh, cool. It's, just, not it's right a little now. early for that. You're not even Italian. Are you? <laughs> My last name's Randazzo. Yes, I'm Italian. I always <laughs> thought that was Dutch. <laughs> <laughs> I thought no. it was Pakistani, but what do I know? <laughs> anyway. Hi. <laughs> We are about a week away from Garden State Comic Fest, and we thought it would be a really good idea. Well, I thought it would be a really good idea, and since I'm hosting the show this week and the last couple of weeks, that's what we're doing. If we would take some video games that we had played and really wanted them to be comic books and, and the teams that would do those comic books and put out just these beautiful, tiny little pieces of awesome. So each one of us has come up with uh, like one or two different books. We're going to start with Mr. Randazzo, as he is our guest. Chris, what game would you like to see turned into a comic book? Well, um, that's actually a pretty fun question, especially right now, because uh, I'd say like a week or two ago, Dynamite announced that they had acquired the license to Atari properties, and they're going to start making Atari comics, including reprinting all of Atari Force, which is a weird comic, but it's surprisingly not terrible. Um, but... Oh, no, it's terrible. Yeah, I, it's terrible. <laughs> it's bad. <laughs> it's bad. I would even go so far as to say very bad, but I think it's just shy of terrible. But anyway. <laughs> so since rose-colored glasses. Hey, I, it's, it, it is my thing. I, I watched the Super Mario Brothers Super Show the other day and was entertained, so... And that is legitimately terrible, so... Okay, we need to disconnect Chris from this recording. <laughs> He's lost all credibility right now. Yeah, I'll just cut him out in that inning. Let him talk. All right, that's fine. We'll edit around that. So yeah, Dynamite's actually going to be making Atari property stuff, and they haven't said what properties they were going to do, but I mean, obviously stuff like Asteroids, since I think they're making an Asteroids movie, or uh, Yars Revenge really lends itself to it, because that even had a sort of like single comic book issue back when the game first came out. The game's got a really neat universe, but I actually, I picked a handful of books specifically that I wanted to talk about, but for my first one that I want to mention, probably the one that I want most of all, uh, out of the Atari stuff. Oh, geez, that's, this is hard to choose. Um, I'm going to start with Adventure, because uh, I just recently read Ready Player One. It kind of reminded me of how much I liked playing Adventure when I was a kid, and I just recently found the Easter egg in Adventure all by myself. But, alright, so Adventure for Atari 2600. If you're not familiar with the game, it's one of the earliest what you could consider a role-playing game. You were basically a square, um, and you kind of went through a bunch of... I guess you would call them hedge mazes. It's kind of difficult to tell with the Atari's graphics, but the the cover um, of the Atari game, which is this, uh, a thing that happens a lot in Atari games, was you know the graphics were incredibly limited, but you had this kind of artistic vision of what the creators kind of wanted you to think the game was based on this just gorgeous cover art. Um, so you go from you travel from castle to castle, and you have to pick up keys to try to unlock doors, and you're trying to get this chalice and return it to a palace. The chalice from the palace. <laughs> Yay! I'm making meatballs. <laughs> Look, Chris, it's Yo. too early for that shit. This isn't Stone Age Gamer. <laughs> it's a whole different thing, man. <laughs> and anyway, um, I just I'm kind of setting the stage of why I chose the creators that I, I went with. Um, so, for, as far as adventure is concerned, uh, there's also a handful of dragons that are floating around, uh, including like a really dangerous red dragon. And then there's, you know, there's a weapon, there's a sword, and there's a a bat that comes and steals stuff, and all kinds of kind of kitschy, wizardy kind of stuff. So it, it's it's definitely set in a medieval type of setting. Um, th so the team that came to mind that I thought would be really fun to have a attack this would be um, Mark Wade and Chris Samney. That team up, uh, Mark Wade writer, uh, Art, Chris Samney, they did uh, the superb Rocketeer Cargo of Doom together, and then it has this kind of like pulp adventure feel to it, and I thought it would be really interesting to take that kind of sense of humor almost, because 
adventure, it, it, you can't really take it that seriously. The dragons kind of look like ducks. It's it's all very silly in its own way. So but what Mark Wade kind of injects into it is this very... He, he embraces the silliness of things like, you know, the Rocketeer and, and the, the characters and securities and all that stuff and the way they play with one another. But he has a, does a really good job of instilling a sense of adventure to things. And what better thing to have a sense of adventure than a comic based on adventure? And Chris Samney, just because he, he illustrated that kind of character with that kind of... They were emotive enough to tell a story. Not that it was a super complex story, but it didn't have to be, because it was all about that sense of adventure. So having those two team up again and tackle something that's so inherently different from Rocketeer Cargo of Doom, but kind of ingrain that sensibility to it, I think would just be amazing. Well, and it's so different from what they're currently doing, which is the current run of Daredevil, which is just a fucking spectacular Is Samney on that too? Yeah. Oh shit, man! I really have to read that. (laughs) It's it's absolutely incredible. It's one of the reasons that we don't talk about it on the show because it would just be so. Daredevil came out again, and the Pope is still Catholic, right? It's still a great fucking book. (laughs) Buy it. You know, it's kind of boring, but I, I I like that choice. I think Mark Wade could do. Mark Wade can kind of do no wrong, even though I didn't love the Archie book that he wrote last week. Um, that's just because I don't care about Archie, like, at all. Even a little bit. I don't understand why it's still popular, but Mark Wade is so <laughs> fucking talented. And Chris Samney is one of my favorite artists just working today. The, the guy is world-class, man. He really skates that line between goofball, cartoony, and serious, you know? It's... It's got that exact right thing to it that in the, on the same page you can go from a joke to deadpan serious without like really changing the art style. It's just cartoony enough to have a slapstick sense to it, but at the same time it's just detailed enough to really emote well. It's it's extraordinary. And and because something like Adventure is such a blank canvas, you know, I feel like Atari games are really great for this, or specifically retro games because a lot of newer games have very fully fleshed out storylines. And Atari games are like, you have a square. Use your imagination. Right. And yeah, but, the, but the issue that may pop up with that is the fact that you have played X amount of Atari games for as long as you've played them. You've come up with your own story. All of a sudden, you see a print version of said game that is a completely different story. Well, I, I, oh. I could almost equate that to how Mega Man's sort of gone. Mega Man doesn't have a story, and I mean, neither does Adventure, so it's all taken into an interpretation there and i think if anyone could do a good job with that it's uh mark wade he's not always one of my top writers but every time i read something by him i'm always impressed he probably should be one of my top writers it's just one of he those... really should be yeah, yeah like really. it's just one of those things like i always forget <laughs> that you know he's doing stuff and i never really come across this stuff all that often that i read but when i do read something by him it's 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 always good he's always very consistent in his work to talk yeah. more on Evan's point, though, um, what's interesting about these kinds of games, like Atari games, and why I think they're so good for it, is that they used to do this this kind of multiple interpretations thing themselves. Um, if you look at something like um, a game like Centipede, for example, um, Centipede's been released many times on many different platforms, and back when it first came out, you would look at the artwork for it, and each different release would have a very different style of art. For example, uh, I think it was a... Uh, God, I can't. I think it was one of the computer versions of it. Centipede had a very space look to it, so you looked like you were a spaceman shooting like a, a space centipede. But then, if you look at the Atari Twenty Six Hundred release on the cover of it, had like a wizard shooting a uh, centipede that was flying through the sky. The um, the games open themselves up to multiple interpretations so naturally because of the limitations of the graphics. I feel like it's kind of ingrained in the culture to have different stories and different takes on them. You know, like, I would actually come up with multiple scenarios in my head when I was a kid. I would think of, you know, I would look at that artwork on the cover of something like Defender and think, like, you know, what was this woman's story who's on the cover that's getting taken by the aliens? And then think of it from a totally different perspective the next time I played it. There, Something like that would excite me. Now, I'm sure there's lots of people, and this would come from any interpretation. This actually comes up a lot in Mega Man's interpretation, because it does stick very close to what little story was in the original games, but it takes a lot of liberties with it. And if 
you know, you're some sort of hardcore purist, you can be turned off by something like that. But me, as somebody who grew up with, with games like a, in, on the Atari games, where there were always open to multiple interpretations and, and different worlds that these kinds of stories could take place in, that um, something like that with multiple interpretations would really appeal to me. Like, I want to see their take on it. I want to know what they think when they look at this source material, when they see that block and these lines and that duck dragon... I want to know what comes out of their imaginations, you know? Like, that's that's what's exciting to me about this prospect. And see, like, I, I thought of adventure as well, because I, I sort of agree that I think Atari games would be really um really open for, for this sort of interpretation, and I went a completely different direction for who I would want to see on on an adventure game, and the, the name that I came up with was Walter Simonson. Oh. Okay. Which... Uh, you know, like that would be if, interesting. If you have never read his run on Thor, it is one of just the most epic and grandiose and just fucking big stories that that has ever been done. He did some incredible work on on Thor, and just like here you go, dude. You got a square and a dragon that looks like a fucking duck. Go nuts! Quack, quack. Give me what do you got? Right, and oh God, I think Simonson would just come up with this incredibly deep, engrossing story that really, you know, like you said, started from a fucking square. That dude so, can create a mythology. That's a good call. He, he knows how to create can. a mythology. All right, well, adventure, I like it. Evan, you're back from your uh, day job as a Nazi hunter. Uh, is, good to have you back. It was tough. I appreciate it. Thank you. I'm glad to be well, back. Hey, we've missed you terribly. <laughs> I haven't. We really haven't. No, Gene, Gene's been sending me notes all week going, I don't miss you. Click. <laughs> I don't miss you, fucker. Stay away. All it's right. not very nice of him. Now, What do you got, Evan? I went in a slightly different route because, yes, I have played a number of video games in, in my day, but there's a very small handful in which that I have actually completed. Um, I play a game... I get the gist, I get bored, and then I move on to the next one. Um, the only series in which I fully completed was the Hitman series. You know, really? Agent 47. Yeah, and I don't know why. It's just something that stuck with me. And Is it because you love that Timothy Oliphant film so much? You know what? Yes, but no. <laughs> Timothy Oliphant is glorious. You throw a cowboy hat on that dude and he can't do no wrong. Oh, God, but, but the Hitman movie, he he can do wrong. I've seen it. Now, that's why I'm taking it away from the movies, because you could say the same thing. What was the couple of Atari fucking movies that we just watched? Battleship? Was that? You know, I mean, oh, that was a board like, game. Like, it's they're taking ideas that shouldn't be. Anyhow, we're just never mind. I want to see a Hitman book. Um, It's. I want to see it split into two parts. A backstory, which they sort of glance over in the games, and every time there's a, a new iteration of the game, they give you a little bit more. But in, in the, the style of book that I want to see, I want to see current, him trying to get out of what he's doing, because that's always the, the get for these Hitman-type things. Like, I think there's a new Hitman movie coming out, and mm -hmm. there's a, another, I, I guess you would call it a Hitwoman, that... it. Finding out modern day information, and what, as well as the same time getting our getting our flashback stories to what got him to the point that he's in. Now, I when I'm trying to figure out what writer I was looking for, I wanted something really gritty, dark, and and violent. Okay, because he's a hitman. He he kills things. That's like his job. Right. And, we're not going to get the guy who does the Spider Man Adventures book. Right. And the to per do first hitman. Honestly, the first person that popped into my head was Jason Aaron. God, he's so good. Uh, specific, I mean, you got you got the Bastards book. You, I mean, you got a, a laundry list, but specifically for his run on Punisher Max, mm -hmm. that, I mean, that resonated with me, and I was like, that's exactly what I'm looking for, that type of story. Now, this, I want the same writer throughout the book, so it's a cohesive story you know a lot of times when you split up writers especially on on a, a single character the storytelling is so different that it feels like two completely different books and that's not what i'm looking for i'm looking almost like when you do a flashback in a movie and they give it that sort of haze 
it's all the same actors, it's all the same writer, but it's you know it's a flashback because they just hazed it a little bit. <laughs> just it's just a hate. So for, there's a, a certain sepia tone. Yes, they they put a filter on it. They threw it through Instagram and they went Swear with a little it. Vaseline on it. Mm. <laughs> now for the for the the back backstory, the, the flashbacks, if you will, I want to see Simon Beasley do oh, his God. his renderings, his painted, his I mean, ultra violent. Like that's what Beasley and and over the top. Everything is larger, faster, pointier, whatever. And I like that painted style of artwork. And, dude, Simon Beasley, I, I don't know what he's working on currently or if he's put out something in a while, but holy shit, that guy is talented. You, and the best part about a Beasley is you know a Beasley when you see it from like 40 feet away. Absolutely. Like he, the, he has that very identifiable quality, very similar to like a Frank Frazetta. Right. Kind of that epic fantasy, but really gritty and grounded kind of art style as well it's he's just phenomenal now that that with that basis for his his history the modern day stories i wanted sleeker and 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 more stylized and i was really impressed with eric conte he's the guy who did run love kill i don't know if i'm pronouncing pronouncing his name right it's that that aeon fluxian type of very sleek very hyper-realistic where you, you it just feels like everything is moving constantly. And in the game, you were always, even if you were hiding and waiting for like the little Asian fella to walk by you where you're ducked down behind a box so you could strangle him out and then dress up like him be, because everybody was fooled by the hat and the, the, the kimono that you were wearing... <laughs> So and everyone was the same size. Every, conveniently enough. It was very enough. convenient in that game. I mean, game. shoe size, everything. <laughs> so, funny how that worked. Maybe that's why he was chosen to be the hitman. Because he was the most average? He was like <laughs> the default setting on a creative character. <laughs> like, you were just average. I, when, it, when, it, when I looked, I mean, we had a nice little chat about Run, Love, Kill and how that Eric told a story without there being a single word on the page. That's what I feel... The, uh, 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 a hitman story should be where you're looking and at just pictures and you can get the whole story and then when you throw a Jason Aaron story or like his words inside of that it makes it just that much meatier that much better and the juxtaposition of the two completely different art styles that sort of blend together because it's not your you know your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man where everything is light and soft they're both to the extreme but on opposite ends of the spectrum i think that would be a really nice you know gelling of of art styles i didn't know i wanted a hitman comic book until just this minute (laughs) i mean there's so like yes there is a story they have a background just in and they have a, a baseline for what he should be doing but i mean i've gotten six is that it i don't even know how many games that have been the guy's been an assassin I, I, forever every issue could be hey this is who i have to kill or this is who i did kill and this is how much closer i'm getting to finding my answers that's what i'm looking for you know something that'll keep me going from issue to issue to issue i like it i'm in it would be way different than the garth ennis uh hitman book i mean the one uh, when <laughs> when he shook hands with you know superman and yeah and and Green Lantern was in there for a little bit, and yeah, <laughs> yeah that one was weird. <laughs> when you I, when I fr- you don't put people like that inside a DC universe. No, nope. <laughs> when I when I fr- when we first started talking about this, and the first thing I did was, hey, you know, Google, tell me, has there been a Hitman book? And when I type in Hitman, and it shows me these images, I'm like, no. Oh please, God, don't let that be the same. And then I had to do more research, <laughs> and I went, okay, it's not the same guy. <laughs> they didn't take some artistic liberties with with the character. They didn't take Agent 47 and give him terrible hair. Terrible 90s t-shirt. hair with those oversized uh, Terminator-style glasses. and it was Well, a- those are just classic. Those never go out of style, <laughs> this but is come true. on. This is true. <coughs> I like it. Well, I, I like think it. that sounds good. Well, like Gentlemen, it. Dean and Chris, any opinions? No, I'm for it, man. I like Hitman. That'd be cool. I... I- Hitman's a really weird series for me. Like I've always wanted to get into it, but the game's always much harder than um 
I care to put the time into when I was younger because that game came out when I was uh, ooh, probably like 12, 13 for the first one. And you were a wee lad. I was a wee lad. And now like I grew to appreciate it a bit more. And it's a really cool game. And I think a comic would be good to support that um, that canon. What, uh, what was that? Uh, it was an arcade. It was a cabinet game where it was cartoon. And it was just all time based where you had to just push to the left. It was um Dragon's Lair. Dragon's Lair. Okay. That was all that that game, you you don't there was no there was I guess there was a story, but all you had to do is keep playing it over and over and over and over again and you found the pattern. You do this mm-hmm. then. This and that was oddly the same thing with the earlier Hitman games. That if you jumped the Asian fella too soon, other Asian fellas saw you and you're fucked. If you tried to jump too late, he got by you. It was all about timing and being in the right spot at the right time. So, if, like, it was just dedicating time with that game. It, it, you couldn't do anything faster or slower. It was really a, like a preset of how you have to play. The, this game will take you four hours to play if you play it correctly type of thing. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, and the problem with 12 to 13-year-old me was I was super patient because, you know, <laughs> puberty and stuff. So Yes, makes sense completely. <laughs> this game's dumb. I don't, I don't want to. Yeah, I didn't play it till I was like 17 or 18, and then I thought it was great. But yeah, when you were so much older and such a more worldly gentleman, yes, yeah. Yes. Well, you know what? The, the The hormones calmed down a bit. I had a girlfriend, so uh, th- things were a little bit calmer. I was able to focus. So you got a girlfriend and then settled yourself right into Hitman. Yes, good plan, Dean. <laughs> I had to focus my murderous rage somewhere. Now that I can see boobs on command. <laughs> I can Boom. now play this game. I was never <laughs> able to say what boobs, mean? and you know the girl was just able to take off their shirt. Now, if I had a girlfriend like that, that would be something. <laughs> there would be no hitman in your life at all, <laughs> ever. <laughs> On that note, Dean, what do you got for us? All right, I took a different approach, guys. I'm sorry. I I can never be serious. It's just it's not in me. I'm not a serious person. So, with that. Uh, I'm going to go with the one I said earlier uh, yesterday, and that's uh, I want to see Kirby's Epic Yarn with uh, Greg Capullo and Neil Gaiman. All <laughs> <laughs> well, right, uh, explanation needed. Um, okay, good. Dan, what do you got? I, well, all right, okay. Uh, so. I, I want to hear more. Tell me more. <laughs> Tell me stories of delicious, violent yarn. What, what, I, what I want is, like, I want Kirby to be, like, stuck literally in Dreamland, but now Dreamland is this fucked up epic yarn universe that he's in and uh he he finds out that like he start he's able to sort of manipulate himself and like the 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 yarn off of him to do different things so he has this like very spawn-esque um like way <laughs> wow. about him where he can like grab things almost like the darkness uh sure and sure. um it's 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 way more gory, and I thought, who better to do that than fucking Greg Capullo? Just fucking cape things and and yarn everywhere, and him grabbing shit and all that. And I, yeah, I don't know. I I thought that would be funny, and you know what? When it comes to dark and like kind of creepy, Neil Gaiman <laughs> does a really fucking good job at that. I mean, for Sandman, American Gods, fantastic writer. Not gonna take anything away from him. In fact. Please do this book. I, you know, Nintendo would never let it happen. I'm pretty sure, like, Owada would come back from the grave and pull this down with him, so it would never happen. But you know, uh, it would be funny. And like I said, I, I wanted to take a funny approach. I, I don't know. I, I think it would be kind of just fucking ridiculous, man. Well, uh, okay. So if you kind of start to examine Kirby oh, no. as a character. It's a pretty dark fucking character. Like, he eats you and absorbs your essence into him so completely that he can then copy your most identifiable trait. True. Right? Mm-hmm. I also believe when he swallows you, you get sent to an alternate dimension. Are you fucking serious? I am not making that up. Oh, my if you God. Wa- if you want to know, like, really how terrifying Kirby as a being is... There was a screw attack death battle between Kirby and Majin Buu, and it's it's dark. Kirby is messed up. <laughs> well, in the uh, in the 
cheap plug here. In the latest uh, Bits and Brews article, I covered the Abobo's Big Adventure game, and there's a section in there with Kirby and Contra, um, <laughs> which is just fucking really weird. But Kirby is terrifying in this little bit. Like, he's all giant and sucking shit up and spitting it at you. And, like, if you really think about the Kirby character, like, he's eating dudes and and girls. I think he's an equal opportunity eater. And, like, seriously, like, absorbing their essences. That's like, that's like what Chew is based on in iZombie and shit. Am I confused? Kirby's the little pink dude, Little right? pink motherfucker. Yep, okay. the little pink thing. All right. You don't fuck with him, man. King Dedede is scared of him. He's scared. And I don't of blame course him. he is. Kirby's damn near indestructible. Sure, he quote-unquote dies a lot in the games, but you can't destroy that thing. I don't even know what he's made of. He's um some sort of... Oh, God, I don't remember what it is. See, some sort of, like, child version of, like, a star god. What? It's, it's insane. I'm telling you, go watch the death okay. battle. It is nuts. You know what? This book needs to happen now. It needs to fucking happen. Like, he's... You're saying that he's, like, baby Kratos. Yeah, kind of. He's baby fucking Kratos that can eat things, absorb them, and now I want him in yarn version with fucking crazy tendrils coming off of him and, like, running them through King Dedede. That's what I want. I want it. Capullo, the story of adult Kirby. Gaiman, make it happen. I want it. I, t- I just want to see him, like, using the last remnants of yarn King Dedede to, like, floss his teeth. This <laughs> is really dark and fucked up. I think this needs to be a I don't know that joint. I don't know that Neil Gaiman is dark enough for this book. Uh, who's Quite the guy honestly. who does Ennis. Uh, who's the guy who does Ennis. Badlands or like Crossroads or those fucking Garth books? Ennis. That's that's Garth Ennis. Yeah, let's 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 get him on that. That'll that'll be it. Just just replace Jesse Custer in Preacher with Kirby. Oh god. <laughs> Oh god! Just like tape Kirby's onto the heads of Jessica. <laughs> that would be amazing. Oh god, that's the cover. That's the cover for this episode. Oh, well done, Dean. I didn't know that that was gonna work. I, th- you said it out loud, and I went, eh, I don't know about that, but no, no, that works. I had never considered Kirby as a soul-sucking parasitic demon until this moment. Well, I'm glad I still, I could, I'm uh, still not going to play his game, but no, by all means. Well, unless they release that version, but uh, I don't. Oh think yeah, if they happen. if they release that one, like <laughs> yeah, I'm in. Son of a bitch, that's terrifying. Yeah, sorry. Uh, I, I I was like, what what's the most ridiculous thing I could uh, think of? And I got another one, but I'll save that for later. So uh, yeah, uh, by all means, <coughs> let's uh, let's keep going down the line. All right. Well, I'll go next. Uh, since I haven't gone yet, and that's just fair. I went a completely different route as well, and so far I'm happy that no one has been like, I think a Zelda book would be really good, because no shit. Yeah, let's let's avoid the... I tried to avoid the obvious ones here. Right. So, I went with a game that I have never understood, I have never completed. Nine-year-old me bought this game... Not based on the creator's name above it, but just based on the concept. And I played it and just, I don't know that I ever got past like the first 20 minutes of the game. Cause I, Can I guess? I think I know what you're talking about. I, I think you do. What, what do you got, Chris? Are you about to say a boy in his blob? I am certainly about to say a boy in his blob. <laughs> because that game gives you no direction whatsoever it's it's the game came out in 1989 for the nintendo entertainment system and it was developed by david crane who is most famous for developing and programming pitfall and slightly less famous for developing and programming night trap but in this game you are a nameless boy and you have a white gelatinous blob that follows you named blobbert and you feed him jelly beans. And the goal of the game is to get back to your home, to, to the Blob's home planet of Blobolonia. Yeah, it, not an easy word to say because it the, doesn't really work together. The subtitle um, of the game is Trouble on Blobolonia, if I'm not mistaken. I, th- I think so. <laughs> yeah. So you're trying to get back to Blobolonia and, like, save it from the evil 
whoever, it doesn't matter. You kill him eventually because I've watched a Let's Play on it because I'm never going to fucking beat this game. Uh, you kill him by shooting vitamins at him, which is an interesting message to tell kids. Like, jelly beans give you magic powers and vitamins kill you. Well, that's how I've lived <laughs> my entire life. <laughs> <laughs> that may explain a couple of things here, Evan. This we'll talk true. off the air. Um, so in this game, though, you are giving, you are given absolutely no direction. Right, there is a story, I know the story now because I've watched videos, but playing this game when I was a kid, like, I gave him a, a jelly bean and he turned into a trampoline and then I could bounce up and down, but I didn't know what the fuck to do with that. And then I gave him another jelly bean and he turned into an umbrella and I went, oh good, it's not fucking raining. And then I gave him another jelly bean and he turned into a ladder and I climbed up on a thing and I went, well, now I can't fucking get anywhere, this is ridiculous. And then you whistle and he turns back into the blob and just hops after you. It's the weirdest fucking game I think that I've ever played. And I, the, like, what drove me nuts about it is that I always really liked it. There was a certain charm to it. And there, I could tell, even as a small child, that there was more story here. And I think it could be a really interesting story. So, if they were to make a comic book version of A Boy and His Blob, I would want Matt Fraction to write it and Scotty Young to draw it. Now, Matt Fraction has written some of the most incredible, straightforward, superhero-type stories. His Hawkeye book is incredibly just a straightforward action book. It's excellent. His run on Iron Fist was incredible. But then he's also done Sex Criminals, which is a little weird. Uh, He's done Satellite Sam, which was really kind of strange and interesting. But the reason that he's that he kind of speaks to me for a boy in his blob is because of of things like Casanova. And okay. if you've never read Matt Fraction's Casanova, it is just this just weird fucking book. There's so much strange going on in this book. It it we don't have enough time to properly explain Casanova. Or any of the sequels that have that have come out to it. The the one that's going on right now has a subtitle whose name I can't remember right now. But Matt Fraction is, is absolutely one of my favorite writers. I, I think the guy does really, really incredible work. And to give him this story, I think, would work really well. And as far as the artist is concerned, Scotty Young, Scotty Young is perhaps my favorite quote unquote traditional cartoonist that has ever been in comics. Like, if you look at the stuff that he's... He's done a lot of the covers right now that are, that are going on with uh, Secret War. He is doing a lot of the covers where it's the little kid versions of the characters. Like, they had one on Civil War a couple of weeks ago that was, that was really awesome. He did the Little Avengers versus Little X-Men stuff that was really, really just incredibly cute and charming, but really solid artwork at the same time. It's he does he does this really incredible thing where he draws like a little kid, and I mean that with the utmost respect. He draws with the imagination of a little kid, but with the skill and the panel to panel storytelling of the very best that have ever worked in comics. He's also a really good writer, too. He's done the Wizard of Oz tie in books that they have put out for all the different Oz stories that L. Frank Baum wrote, Marvel has been putting out these different Oz books that are just really incredible and show a little bit of a different uh, style to Scotty Young. It's a little scratchier, it's a little more angular than what he usually does, but is is just absolutely lights out fantastic work. And well, That's I, a really good choice. Um, they did a re, uh, reimagining of Boy and His Blob. Way Forward did it actually uh, on the Wii, and it's extraordinary if you haven't played it. Uh, it it kind of takes all the imagination of a boy in his blob and makes it into a, a fun and playable game. But <laughs> do I have to waggle? No, not at all. All right. In fact, I, I wish play. the game had some IR control because some of the uh, some of the control of where you aim the jelly beans is a little off. But that's a you know topic for another podcast. But the game is just it's just oozing with personality, and 
I, I think you're right. Um, Scotty Young is a brilliant choice for this because the game always, I mean, when I played it as a kid, I also didn't get very far either because what the hell is going on with there's any of this no game? Direction. Exactly, the there's point? no direction at all and not in like the way that is logical to figure out. I mean, this game's more obtuse than like point-and-click adventures like Monkey Island. It's insane. Hey, 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 it hey, always hey, had that... hey, easy on the bashing of Monkey Island. Hey, I love Monkey Island. That is one of my all-time favorites. And in fact, that would be an incredible comic book, <laughs> which I should have thought of before now. But anyway, yeah, I'm um, thinking of Scotty Young doing a, a book on a boy in his blob. Because Scotty Young, another thing that you mentioned about, like, he kind of draws like a kid, but not in the way that, like, Alt, Alt Bart Art Baltazar does, where it's like crayons and stuff. Right. He kind of really instills this sense of, of like, I guess love is the word I'm looking for in into the things that he draws. Like, there's that certain like charm ability to those like you know the Scotty Young variant covers and stuff that he does for Marvel. That it, that that kind of love relationship is really there in a boy in his blob. Like it always kind of had that Max and Me kind of feel to it. Like yeah, you you they're complete strangers. They don't speak to one another. The boy in his blob, but they have this kind of like friendship bond and one of the things they did in the in the Wii version of the game was they just added a hug button which is like the most adorable thing ever <laughs> it does almost nothing but you just press this button and he just hugs the blob and it's the cutest thing ever but yeah that kind of like I'm, I mean I'm imagining this is kind of an all ages book with like, oh absolutely yeah but like it, it could have like a sort of you know darker tone to it but still all ages you know because you know things can get scary, but that's what's neat about it. I, I think it's a brilliant choice. Well, with with Scotty Young, if you like just Google Scotty's artwork, you could see the two extremes that he goes to the the what we're talking about the childlike wonder and everything round and soft and and squishy and, and then joyful have, and There's joyful. joy. And then the complete opposite end of that spectrum is his I'll call it Jay Lee like work. Everything is very scratchy, very sharp, very elongated. I mean, that lends itself to a darker, scarier tone. I mean, the man, the, the, his art style is of, of very polarizing. It's beautiful, young, childlike wonder, and then some of the scariest shit that, I mean, this, I just saw one image of um, Doctor Strange and Deadpool. And I was like, wow. And I thought it was a Jay Lee style artwork because I'm not used to Scotty Young being adult cartooning, if you will. Yeah, it like those those Oz books that he's doing are are so different from what he usually does. That that really childlike, lovely, joyful, loving stuff. And then you look at the Wizard of Oz stuff, and there's still like there's still kind of a wink and a snark behind it. That's that joy and love is there. But it is very scratchy and very angular, and and it is very evocative of Jay Lee, who is another one of my favorite artists. Like I I love uh, Jay Lee. I hate but... Jay Lee stuff because everything points to his crotch, right, Chris? It's everything. Either that, or he's pointing his chin directly at you. Everyone's pointing their chin at me because they're literally looking you. down their noses, like they're better than me. Well, they now, are. I, I I think of that like <laughs> Ozma of Oz stuff more like a cross between. Oh, like a cross between Joan and Vasquez stuff and George Plimpton cartoons. Like it's yeah. it kinda looks okay. like a cross between those two. Okay. Yeah, I I'm I'm looking right now at the Scotty Young uh Deadpool and Doctor Strange thing and yeah, God, I just I I just love this guy's art. Like I tend to pick up damn near anything that Scotty Young does just because I like looking at it. Oh shit, you gotta buy a lot of books. He does a lot of variant. Covers. He does a lot of shit, but I mean, the guy, he's just, he's just fucking world-class, man. And I think putting him on something like a boy in his blob, because, like, if we look through the history of video game comics, there have been, you know, like we talked about at the beginning of the show, uh, there is a Mass Effect comic. But why is there a Mass Effect comic? I don't, you gave me the whole story. You know, the Metal Gear Solid book that came out, it looked really great. Ashley Wood did a phenomenal job with the painting and whatnot, but... Uh, I don't need that as a comic book, but something like a boy in his blob or Hitman, like yeah, I I need some more story there. So, yeah, I like it. Go buy Scotty Young stuff. Yay! And we'll be right back after a quick break. And we're back for round two. Chris, what else you got? Okay, 
I have a few more, but there's only one I'm going to focus on. So the first ones I'm just going to say really quickly. The first one, Blaster Master. By, oh my god. Yes. <laughs> by Bendis and whoever else is drawing Guardians of the Galaxy at the time. Because the story of a dude chasing after his pet frog that mutated and fell down a hole is amazing, and I want an entire universe built around this. I am shocked that that is not what you went for first, quite honestly. I, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those ones I really like, but it's, it's not, I'm not as interested in it as some of these other ones. The second one, which is also not my main, is Berserk for Atari, done by Brian Azzarello and Cliff Chang. That's awesome. Because Jesus Christ. wouldn't it be amazing? Like, this is a story about a guy on a space station that is fighting all these killer robots and the evil Otto, which is a bouncing smiley face. And Brian Azzarello does such a great job of building mythology like he did on Wonder Woman, and him teaming up with Cliff Chang like he did on Wonder Woman was so good, and I feel like that style, which is not ultra-realistic, but can be taken very seriously and, and deep, would be so weird for Berserk and having a giant bouncing smiley face to kill everybody. I would love that to death. My actual choice, my number one thing that I would really love to see, would be an adaptation of Legacy of the Wizard by Tom Waltz and Corey Smith. Wow. Legacy of the, <laughs> Legacy of the Wizard was this game on NES that was uh, made, developed by Quintet and published by Broderbund. And it was this very, very obtuse game. It was like an adventure game in this kind of like mystical kingdom where you were uh, a family, a mom, a dad, um, a mom, a dad, a son, I think. A son or a daughter, I honestly can't remember. I think it was a mom, a dad, a daughter, and a pet. And you were this and four... a third cousin once removed. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah, it was a very strange thing. But you were this family, and you had to go down to these catacombs and work together. Like, you, you had to each go off in your own way, but the whole thing was about working together to get all these pieces together to fight this giant dragon and save the universe or something. I would go with Tom Waltz, because he is the primary writer on Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And... You know, coupled with Kevin Eastman, they write this story that's... I love it to death. It's my favorite comic still on the shelves. I absolutely adore that book. And one of the things I love so much about it is that they write family so well. They have this family connection between the Turtles and Splinter and Casey and April that works so remarkably well that I would love to see these weird characters fleshed out, like this weird little pink dinosaur pet they have and the the mom and the dad and all that stuff going on some sort of quest to fight a dragon and I would I you know I would go with uh, Corey Smith for the art because he's been on Ninja Turtles for a while now and I love his style I didn't at first I actually really didn't like it when when the, the changeover happened but it's grown on me so much and I think that art style of drawing these like weird creatures because the game is is very full of strange creatures and the storyline isn't all that fleshed out either so there's a lot of room to play as far as like making an overarching storyline too I would just love to death to see this happen. Wow. Yeah, I, I think I might be the only other one right now on this show that has played Legacy of the Wizard, and it is a fucking weird game. It's so strange. Nah, Chris had me play it. I think it's pretty oh, did, cool. I did, it's yeah. Good. I, I suggested it. It's, it's a really cool game. It's very... Uh, again, like a boy in his blob, there's not a lot of direction. Like It doesn't tell you where to go or what to do all that well. But once you really get into it, it, the game drives you to explore. Unlike a boy in his blob that was just like, all right, this song's been looping for 20 minutes. I'm out. I'm done. <laughs> Legacy <laughs> of the Wizard really just... i play Punch-Out instead. <laughs> Legacy of the Wizard did this really good job of making you want to continue to see what else this world had to offer. Like It, it was so interesting and creative. And that's what you want out of a book. You know, you want something that's going to keep making you want to pick up the next issue and the next issue. And I feel like that world would really lend itself to that kind of storytelling. And these guys do such a great job of that kind of storytelling. It, it would be my number one pick. It's a strange thing. It wouldn't be that hard of a license to get. And <laughs> it could just be really cool. Because another thing is a lot of people wouldn't really know it's, it's a video game that it's based on. So if it did come out, it would just seem like this interesting new story because essentially it would be just based on this old property i think it would be phenomenal i like it i concur very good evan yes you got anything else i do oddly enough you you just made comment about it i want to see a mini series revolving around uh punch out 
Yes! Okay, that'd be cool. uh, <laughs> that'd be really that would cool. be so cool. And I also want Rucka to write it because Rucka has this talent for writing, I, I want to say, families that are very, very, very different from each other. Like each character has its own independent personality. And I want to see or I want to know about each guy's, you know, working their way to that that fight with, with, with what is it, Little Mac, right? Little Mac? Yeah, I, I want to know Doc Lewis. I want to know what happened to Glass Joe. Exactly. How did Glass Joe get into that ring? I mean, what led how up did to he, that? How did King Hippo get from Hippo Island to wherever you're I, fighting? I mean, the flight alone was probably ridiculous. <laughs> and I want to see Capullo draw it. Yeah, just because Capullo has this talent for fights. Like you, like when Batman takes a swing at someone, you. It looks like a solid punch, and I think he would do a fantastic job on on a we'll call it a boxing book. <laughs> oh, that would be so cool! There's so many weird characters. Like I, I don't want Mike Tyson. Character. I don't want Mike Tyson no. in it. Okay, that's Sandman. probably Sandman's the most boring good. person there. Yeah. <laughs> Sandman, Super Macho Man, Aaron Ryan, yeah, Mad Soda Clown, Soda Popinski. Yeah. <laughs> Even go back to the arcade stuff and give a story to Pizza Pasta or something like that. Oh my god, that would be so much fun. Each book, each issue is one of the characters, and we get a little blip about you know Mac as he's progressing to his stardom. I think it'll work. I like it. I need to see the. Pink I love track it. Suit. I, I hell, I would even argue just reunite Brubaker and Lark. Wow, give me Michael Lark on that book. Just, just ultra photorealistic, bald bull. Just Ew, creepy. Oh, God, that's awesome. Love it. Evan, right now you're in the lead. I win. So far, I would say you win. God damn, that's a good idea. Dean, what do you got? Bubble Bobble. Uh, close. Close. No? Okay. Um, Tetris. Close. No. Um, I need to know the backstory of Left Piece. <laughs> well, now that you know. Um, so, uh, Frank Miller. Okay. Dig Dug. <laughs> Wait, okay, so are we talking like seventies Frank Miller or like crazy conservative right wing Frank no, Miller that he is today? Seventies Frank Miller. Fucking okay. <laughs> both writer and artist, I'm assuming. Yes, right? Yes, hundred okay. percent fucking blood, guts, and darkness and scratchiness everywhere. Reagan hating. Don't forget about the Reagan, Reagan hating. Well, that's why Dig Dug's down there. He got put down there by Reagan because he was just too good at his job of exterminating things. Digging and dugging. So now he's got to dig his wow. way out of the uh, the shit to to make it to the top. And, and those and things are just everywhere. Dragons. It's it's like a fucked up like Nam book, I, I want to say. like It's just like <laughs> Dig shit. Dug inside his own head, like totally... Constantly in some sort of small cave. Yes. Well, I oh believe God. the character's name is Taizo. Ta okay. And Taizo. um, and yeah, it is extraordinary. Like, if you really watch that animation, like he pumps air into a dragon until its stomach explodes. <laughs> yeah, it's That's not nice. It's not okay. Oh, God. I want to see it. There's some deep darkness in video games that we don't really see until we examine it. Thoroughly. I think there's some deep darkness in Dean that we haven't <laughs> yeah, seen seriously. until just this moment. There's a lot of darkness, but uh, yeah. Oh boy. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I... you guys know about the bricks in the original Super Mario Brothers, right? What? What? So if you read the instruction manual of the original Super Mario Brothers, Bowser, the sorcerer Bowser, took over the Mushroom Kingdom, and while he was doing that, one of the spells he cast was turning the Mushroom citizens into bricks. So whenever you break bricks... You are killing a citizen of the Mushroom Kingdom. Actually, I like Mario to Brothers. think you're putting it out of its misery. Okay, yeah, that's true. Yeah, uh, put it, it, <laughs> you're euthanizing them. <laughs> or Mario's just a genocidal maniac that doesn't give a fuck about anything. That could also be true. But yeah, that that's a thing that happened. Oh yeah, yeah, it did. God damn. Yeah. So all uh, right. Well, yeah, I want to see fucking dragons and shit explode all over the place, and uh, Taizo make his way to the top to take down Reagan. Reaganomics. Reagan wow. is the end boss of this Dig Dug comic? <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh. I want it. Be thankful I didn't break out my Reagan impersonation. It's quite bad. Oh my bad. god. You have a Reagan impersonation? No, I don't. I'm really excited about it. Come on, we nope. need something for the stinger. <laughs> nope. Come on. All right, uh. fine. All right, well, I had a couple left over as well. Um, now, 
I'm going to go against exactly what I said earlier of like a Legend of Zelda comic would be good because of course a Legend of Zelda comic would be good. But where I went was Castlevania because, you know, uh, Mike listens every now and again and I wanted to throw something in there for him. And I just want Jason Aaron and Esad Ribic. Like, just give me the team from Thor. Let them do Castlevania. Nice. It would be it would be out of control. It'd be beautiful. Now, are you talking a specific Castlevania or are you talking Castlevania mythos entirely? The whole mythos. Just wow. go so nuts. Like, start with Simon and then move on to Trevor and Soliu and Christopher and Yep. All right, we wow. get it. That could be a video a huge game series. guy. We you know all their names. Okay. <laughs> Jesus. I mean, that's like, well, the, the point I was trying to get to is that those characters are centuries apart. Like that would mm-hmm. that would be really interesting to me. Even do them as like different mini series and whatnot, and then have them connect in some way, shape, or form, or. Well, wow, or even just do it the way wild. they did that Thor book with young Thor, current Thor, and old Thor. Just give me all of it together. <laughs> Fuck it, I don't care. It's, it, would be, it would be phenomenal. Um, one of the other ones that I would really like to see, I don't know if any of you guys have played uh, The Cave, which was a double fine game that came out a few years ago and just this really fascinating game. I, I absolutely adore this game. And there are seven characters that you get to pick from at the beginning. You control three characters at a time. And it is just like an, uh, a puzzle game, like a platform puzzle game to get through this sentient talking cave who kind of talks shit to you and throughout your journey. But as you're going through and picking these different characters, like one is a set of twins and another one is like uh, a scientist and then there's a hillbilly. So like you pick those three together. And as you're going through, you continue to get this backstory on all this like really weird shit that happened to these people and kind of how they ended up here going through this cave. It's just this, it, it is so such a double fine game that it, it is absolutely worth the, the 10 or $15 that it is on steam and, and like the PlayStation store and the Xbox store. And I, it might be on the Wii U virtual console. It I'm is, not sure if it, it is. It is available on the Wii U eShop. Absolutely. It is. It is a phenomenal game. And what has always struck me as so interesting is that they did a really good job giving you a, a fair amount of backstory on these characters when you find these little, uh, like, memory sections, but they're just a couple of panels. Like, you get an image at a time, and there's no words, there's no voice acting or anything. It's it's just artwork, and you kind of have to piece together the story um, as you're going through. So... I thought it would be really cool to see Jeff Lemire and Eric Powell do the artwork for that sort of book. Eric Powell, I think, is probably the the lesser known of those two names, and he's the guy who who did the Goon and Big Man Plans, which we've talked about on the show before. He's a fucking incredible artist. He's just really, really great, and would fit the art style of the Cave pretty perfectly. It's it's a really interesting game visually to look at, but that was not the one that I wanted to focus on. The one that I wanted to focus on, and it's a little bit of a cheat uh, for me because my favorite artist, writer, working in comics, as much as I love all the straight-up superhero stuff and as much as I love a lot of the deeper, darker, noir stuff and whatnot, my, my absolute favorite is Jim Mafood. Jim Mafood just draws, like, his artwork is like what funk music sounds like. Like, it is just weird and just strange and big angles and and strange proportions that all somehow work together. And he's just fucking phenomenal. And his his, perhaps his most famous work is Girl Scouts. There's been two image uh, comic series that have come out that I highly recommend you picking up. It's about a team of three girls that are drug dealers and they get involved in, like, really weird shit and like the first one has them fighting the evil Nike corporation and like the CEO of the corporation turns into a demon and like spoilers for like a 10 year old book but it's it's just strange and odd and it is like funk it's really funny he draws a lot of really interesting stuff so I want to see him do a toe jam and Earl book yeah all right we, we found our winner Toe Jam and well, Earl. We certainly found Dean's winner. <laughs> I love Toe Jam and Earl. I can't help it, man. They're like my favorite fucking like characters in video games. Toe Jam and Earl is so great, right? Because you were dropped into this story of 
your spaceship crashed and you needed to get the parts to get it back together and fly back to Funkatron. And that was it. That was like the bulk of your story. But there's so Funkatron. much more there. There's so much more to that story. There's so and much character see, there. Oh my God. To see Jim Mafood be given the reins to that sort of property and that sort of weird alien world I, would be about the best thing you could possibly have. <laughs> with with the, want the music the, and I mean, yeah. Oh my God. I, like if you've never read a Jim Mafood book, it is, it is littered with pop culture references and music references like a lot of times in, in a lot of the old mini comics that he did, he would have a track list like on the first page of like, listen to these songs while you're reading this book. And they're like weird hip hop and funk and like, and not like, you know, terrible hip hop, but good stuff like De La Soul. And you know what I mean? Like just <laughs> this tribe called Quest and like these really interesting funky ass things. Oh God. Like he's just, please go read Jim Mafood comics. He just did the Miami Vice remix with uh, Joe Casey. That was, it was bananas. Just absolutely bananas. The Girl Scouts books are phenomenal. 40 Ounce Comics is a collection of his mini comic stuff. He did, uh, a few years ago, Marvel put out a book called Waha, which was a what-if book, but like a really weird what-if book that he drew, and Bendis wrote a lot of it. And like there's a little a little one-page story in there of what if the Black Panther was white. Oh, and like geez. he takes off his mask, and there's just a white dude under there. And they're like, what? What the fuck? Like... You can't be on the team. And he's like, what? Did you think I was black? Just because my name is Black Panther? That's racist. Like, it's fucking... Wow, he spun the racism. <laughs> oh, nice. my God. It's so fabulous. It's so good. He also did a, this... a Clerks book, right? Not too long ago? He did the Clerks book. Right. Yep. Yep. He did Um. He did Generation X, I believe, from Marvel. I, he's, he's just... He's amazing. There is nobody in comics that does anything close to what Jim Mafood does. And I know he's not he's not everybody's favorite. He is a sort of polarizing guy. He's either a you love it or you hate it kind of art style and writing style. But the one thing you cannot take away from from Jim Mafood is that there is nobody else doing what Jim Mafood does. It would be the best book ever. <laughs> and on that note, <laughs> on that note, Chris, I like it. I love I it. I have I have one last question for you. Because I know that you've thought about it. Who do you want on the Legend of Zelda book? Because I know you thought about it. The I really don't know who I would want to do the art, because that's such a loaded question, because the art style of Zelda has changed so much over the years. But if I had to go with one... If I had to go with a writer, I would probably want Azarello. I loved Wonder Woman, what he did with that character so much, and kind of that, that sort of invention of that character, and then the invention of a, a gallery of other characters around her, like, you would need a supporting cast to be created for a Legend of Zelda comic. Like, you would just need one. Because there's not that many other characters you would want other people full length to interact with. And I think Azarello did such an amazing job of building that world. I would love to see that approach taken to Hyrule. But as far as the art goes, like, God, I really don't know. I have no idea. <laughs> All right, Evan, I'm going to put you on the spot. Who would you want on a Metroid book? Ooh. You know what? Metroid book. It's got to be sci-fi dark. You know what? And with I'm going to say Jay Lee. Reason Ooh. being is the fact that just about everything takes place in in either tunnels or 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 spaceships and everything is very sharp. He's got that down. I'd love to see that. I like it. Dean, who would you like on a Bubsy book? <laughs> Do I really have to answer that? No, I'm just kidding. I know how much I know how much you love Sonic, and I know how much you hate the Sonic books right now. Who would you actually want to do a good Sonic book? That's Huh. I really thought about it. Um top of your head what comes to you well i guess uh for the art i'd actually like uh maybe scotty young to do something maybe he can just bring a little bit more like a new a new sort of style to sonic that we haven't seen because i'm a little tired of fucking 
2000 era butt rock Sonic. I want old 90s Sonic back, and maybe he could do that. I want Walt Simonson Sonic. Oh! No. <laughs> oh, God. I want to know what that would look like. I want Rob Liefeld Sonic. No! <laughs> Impossible. Sonic's thing is his feet. He, he runs. But he's always wearing shoes. Virtually oh, impossible. <laughs> Just be Sonic tripping and falling on his big dumb nose. <laughs> his feet would always be a blur. <laughs> Actually, no, that's the perfect book for him. He would never have to draw them. <laughs> You're right. You just fucking erase out so it looks like a giant blur every time. No, you know what? Sonic, would better. you stand still? I can't. His feet, I, can't. I have to his run. His feet are pecs. <laughs> then some damn Sonic big feet, from the son. neck down, from the neck down by Liefeld, from the neck up by Simonson. <laughs> oh, God. I want that abomination in the world. All right, wait, wait. Who would write the book then? <laughs> who cares? <laughs> it's gonna be blank. The, no words. The six-year-old who writes Axe Cop. <laughs> oh God, that would be phenomenal. <laughs> you know what? Probably would be better than what it is right now. Oh, probably. All right, and my final one which I think would be just as good as Toe Jam and Earl, I want Jonathan Hickman to write and draw Excitebike. What? What? <laughs> sure. Okay. Sure. Think of the world building that he has done in the Avengers. But it's Excitebike. Extrapolate that out to the Excitebike world, and you have got a goddamn masterpiece. Evan. <laughs> Wait. Why don't are we you tell get, me Are we going to get like a two-issue arc of the guys who push the dirt for the track. Yes. Like, I love it. Just goes home, adds a beer, watches sports, goes to bed. There's going to oh, be God, a 12-issue be... miniseries called Overheated. <laughs> <laughs> See? This shit just writes itself. Very well done. Evan, <laughs> tell me about Garden State Comic Fest. It's, it's less than a week away. July 25th, 26th. Uh, Men in Arena, Marstown, New Jersey. We're done. This is the home stretch. I'm, I, I mean, it, that light, you know that you, we've been waiting to see at the end of the tunnel? It's there. It's going to be phenomenal. Uh, Neil Adams, Hildebrandt. I, I mean, the, the, the amount of guests that we have coming to this show and that are gracing us with their presence and their talent and their skills is unbelievable. Um, as you know, Geek Aid's going to have a great presence there. Um, so, I mean, please check us out. Facebook. Uh, GardenStateComicFest.com the Twitters and all of that stuff tickets are available still online uh, and or get them at the door are they more at the door? no more Good door for you. <laughs> they shouldn't be I hate that shit yeah alright Garden State Comic Fest come check us out we're gonna be doing a live podcast there it's gonna be awesome yeah it's gonna be a great show we're gonna be doing a live podcast there the Paper Cuts Paper Hunt 2015 we're going to take $10, we're going to walk around the show floor and find the coolest thing or the weirdest thing that we can find for $10 or less. Uh, last year, Chris got lice. so For a low, low $10. <laughs> he did Worth that it. for you <laughs> with a Batman comb or brush. It was a brush. A licensed Avon product, mind you. And it had sculpted bat butt cheeks. With an nice. Avon tramp stamp. It was awesome. <laughs> Dean, where can they find us on social media? In the show notes. <laughs> Is that it? That's the only place? That's right it, below. <laughs> right in the show notes. I'm making meatballs. <laughs> okay, so yeah, you guys can find us in the show notes. Be sure to check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, Tumblr, Twitter. Um, Instagram. Instagram. iTunes. And- I find us on iTunes and definitely give us a rating, five stars or more, six stars, seven stars, eight stars, ten stars, whatever you want, man. It's cool. Definitely not nine stars, though. Fuck that because we're so close to, close to perfectness at that point. Don't do it. Don't you fucking dare. Actually, just give us five stars because that's the actual maximum. Uh, say why you like the show. Uh, we'll be sure to shout it out on the show if you actually happen to leave a uh, the, the comment of anything. Uh, also, you can shoot us an email at mail at geekade.com. So with that, back to you, Dan. All right. Chris, anything you need to plug? Well, um, I am the host of the Stone Age Gamer podcast, which also features Dan and Dean. And I believe that this Friday, we'll actually be recording on a Wednesday, but this Friday we'll be doing the inverse of this podcast on the Stone Age Gamer podcast, 
Uh, I believe the plan is to have Evan on. Will Evan be uh, joining us? I have to ask Evan. Hold on. Yeah, yeah, he says he'll be there. Fantastic. Uh, so we will be doing comics that we wish were video games, which is going to be a little tough because they've made video games out of a lot of comics, but it could be a, it's going to be a really interesting time. So, um, yeah, tune in on Friday. It's going to go live on our website, geekade.com, and all the other social media joys that we uh, just discussed, like the Facebooks and the Twitters and, and the YouTubes and all the Instagrams that the kids do. Our, our podcast don't go on Instagram. I don't know what I'm talking about, but still, it's going to be a fun show. Uh, it'll go live on Friday. We take and that's six all million got. pictures, and you have to print them all out and do it like a flip book so that yeah, you can all actually watch us spoken. podcast. It's ridiculous. That sounds terrible. And on that note, that's going to wrap it up for this uh, special Garden State Comic Fest extravaganza, part one. Tune in on Friday, Stone Age Gamer Podcast for part two. Make sure you follow me on Twitter at GeekAidDan, and we can talk about wrestling and comic books and all types of fun stuff and kung fu movies because I am a man of many interests. And you can follow me on Twitter at GeekAidChris, K-R-I-S, where I talk about things like going to the grocery store by myself and <laughs> buying video games. It's a good time. For I Dean DeFalco, guys, <laughs> Evan Goldstein, <laughs> and Chris Randazzo, and Dan Ryan, I'm Dan Ryan. I'm going to go make some meatballs. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>